All right, here we go. Welcome to Big Bets on Campus. I am your host, Mike Calabrese. I'm joined by Mike Ionello of the Action Network for this week 11 Group of Five deep dive. We're going to be uncovering all of the money makers here in the Mountain West, Conference USA, the, the fun belt, Maction time. All of it is on the table for us, and we're going to need it because last week we, we got our bell rung, so to speak. You know, back in the day, you could say somebody got jacked up, somebody got their bell rung. I, I would say now we're in the concussion protocol because we got beat around pretty good there in week number 10. So no need to do a full autopsy on where we were wrong. Came up short, a few one possession losses, but no one really cares about how you do it. You know, it's either wins or losses on the card. So hopefully we can bounce back here. And to do so, we'd like to do a little springboard into positivity with our G5 Heroes of the Week. I'll get it started here. And this is one I've been holding in my back pocket really since mid-October, just waiting for UNLV to get their first victory of the season and their first victory under Marcus Arroyo, their new head coach, which is exciting, yada, 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 the UNLV is on the right track. But what I really wanted to talk about is with a win, now we can highlight one of the best gimmicks in college football. Here it comes, the Rebel Roller just unveiled today. A giant slot machine used in the wake of any UNLV score or turnover forced. And the first to pull the lever is the chuck wagon, Charles Williams. Those kids are sprinting right over to the machine with the emblazoned 702 area code atop of it, pulling the the lever. UNLV just spinning out cash, spinning out winners. So one of the coolest things going in college football right now. And finally, we can talk about it in a positive light now that they're on the board with their first win of the season. This is one of those programs that has never really got it together in my lifetime. You know, other than Randall Cunningham in the 80s, they haven't had a consistent dynamic offensive player to kind of hang their hat on. I would love to see UNLV put together in the Mountain West. Maybe the recruiting angle with the, you know, the slot machine, the brand new stadium, new head coach. Hopefully they can have themselves a good offseason, even if they just got to full eligibility on an annual basis. I think it would be a great story for college football. I know. What are you pulling for your G5 hero of the week? For my G5 hero, I'm going to go with South Florida backup running back, Brian Batty. I think it's pronounced Batty. I believe if we're going to do our G5 hero justice, it's, it's Batty, not Batty. want to make sure we get that on the record so that uh, he can play that for hopefully his mother, because we are a big podcast when it comes to G5 moms. Shout out to Matt Arise's mom who keeps hitting this up on social media. Brian, he had an explosive 29-yard touchdown run. Also had two 100-yard kick return touchdowns. Granted, South Florida did not win the game, but they at least covered the spread thanks in large part to Brian Batty's 
three touchdowns and I think he had like 230 total yards of offense. So two 100 yard kick return touchdowns. I know we love shouting out the specialists on this podcast. Usually it's more the kickers or the punters, but I'm going to give a little bit of love to a returner here, hero of the week. All right. We're going to go ahead and jump to our best bets here in week 11. I'm going to start with an over, and I think this is the time of year to, to really take advantage of defenses that have proven through a, you know, a robust body of work that they can't play. And that's why I'm starting with Arkansas State and University of Louisiana Monroe. Arkansas State is probably the worst defense in the country. No defense gives up more plays from scrimmage of 30 or 40 yards or more, and UL Monroe really needs that in offense. It's kind of been hit or miss been stuck in neutral a little bit in the last couple of weeks. They did play well against South Alabama, which is really where this play is coming from, from my perspective. Chandler Rogers is a quarterback who can spark big plays, both with his legs and with his arm. And the fact that he did it against uh, South Alabama Jags defense that has been pretty salty this year, I think there's lots of upside. And nothing can put you in the driver's seat faster than facing that Red Wolves defense that, as I mentioned in previous episodes, they're just bags of leaves out there on the perimeter. You can run by them. You can run slants in front of them. Whatever you want to do, just get the ball in the air and good things are going to happen. Um, and the other part of it is, you know, you need two to tango when it comes to a total like this sitting at 66. Arkansas State's going to throw the ball a lot. They throw it 44 times per game. Um, but I look for a bounce back here because, honestly, when you look at their last four games, they haven't been contributing to, to overs in the way that you would like to see that would give you confidence and the reason why this is my best bet of the week. Here's the thing. They played the four toughest Sun Belt defenses back to back to back to back. They went coastal, Louisiana, South Alabama, App State. Now they face a University of Louisiana Monroe defense that's allowing opponents to complete 68% of their passes, one of the worst figures in college football. And also the Warhawks cannot get to the passer. So they're not going to make life difficult on the, the two quarterback system the Arkansas State's trotting out there. And finally, you got to always think in the pace perspective, Arkansas State nearly is the 25th fastest team in the country. Louisiana Monroe, not far behind at 37th. So I like a lot of plays, a lot of points here. And honestly, if one of these two teams went for 50, I wouldn't be shocked. My power rankings call for this to be 74 and a half. So 66, I think, is an overcorrection by the market. Looking at Arkansas State's recent slate and seeing them get handled you know, pretty easily by the best Sun Belt defenses. The Warhawks are not that. So look for a high-scoring game here. All right, what do you got, Inella? Let's uh, let's pair one up for our best bet segment. So, Mike, before we get into our best bets, I just want to take a second and offer a sincere apology to Meet Meep and UTSA. I had to pick between our favorite kids. I picked the wrong kid. Clearly, the other one was always the smarter, prettier, more successful child. We picked the wrong child. I will never fade UTSA again. That is my promise. And as bad as last week was, and as much as we look like absolute Muppets, I'm not going to quit. However, there is a team I think very well could quit, and that is the Temple Owls. I think Temple is an absolute quit team for me, and at this time of year, that's kind of how I like to start looking, is who's giving up, who's quitting on the year. Temple started the year 3-2, and two. Eh, you know, beat Akron, beat Wagner. They did get a good win against Memphis. I'll give them that. Since then, lost to Cincinnati, 52-3. to three. Lost to South Florida, 34 to 14. Lost to UCF, 49-7. Lost to ECU, 45-3. In Temple's last four games, they have been outscored 180 to 37. Yeah, this team, this team has quit. They're in their third season under Rod Carey. Here's another best bet for you. 
Rod Carey might get fired next Sunday. <laughs> and if not next Sunday, at some point this year, they're just 12 and 17 under him. They're four and 12 in the last two years. They're playing a Houston team that has looked very good. They're eight and one lost Texas tech week one. They've won eight straight games. Clayton tune. You know, I've talked about not really believing on him because he doesn't make a lot of turnovers, but he's kind of cleaned that up this year. You know, he's completing 70.8% of his passes, 19 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's got a great weapon in Nathaniel Dell, who's averaging 93 yards per game with eight touchdowns. They run the ball well with McCaskill and Henry. McCaskill has 12 touchdowns. Uh, the offense is 17th in pass success, 32 in big plays. They're, they're 10th in finishing drives, whereas Temple's defense is 126th at preventing finishing drives. This Temple office is, offense is a mess. I'm pretty sure Dwan Maths got hurt last week. I don't know that he's playing. Even if he does play, I mean, who cares? <laughs> they're averaging less than seven points per game over the last four weeks. They rank 89th in rush success, 116th in pass success, 110th in big plays, 126th in finishing drives. Their special teams are a mess. They can't tackle at all. And we've talked about the Houston defense. You know, something we brought up a couple weeks ago was that we don't know if we believe the Houston defense because, you know, they've just dominated against bad teams. Well, yeah, Temple's a bad team. This defense ranks seventh in rush success, eighth in pass success. They're number one in the in the country at pass rush. They're twelfth in havoc. Their D line is unbelievable their d-line is so good david anini Derek parish logan hall d'anthony jones all these guys are so good at getting after the quarterback temple might not score here they they honestly might not score a point and if they do i can't picture them scoring more than you know 10 i'll be shocked if they get to 10 so houston 24 and a half i think they run it up here we've seen them run it up the last you know four weeks temple's gotten it run up like i said i think temple is a absolute quit team right here I think there's a good chance Rod Carey's fired on Sunday, if not at the end of the year. So I'll lay the 24 and a half with Houston. I mean, I, I would lay 30 with them at this point, the way Temple's look. So I'll, I'll lay the points with Houston. It's always wise to, to look for those situational plays. And I know that sometimes it's a stretch when you start to dabble in that emotion and how players are feeling, coaches are feeling, you know, our coaches one foot out the door, either in a positive way for a promotion to a, to a better job or in a negative way where they're coaching for their livelihood. But I agree. Temple just does not seem to have that emotional core that they need to be able to circle the wagons and say, we're not going to go down like this. They're rolling over. So I totally agree. I think that's a nice play. Houston has been a, a pleasant surprise within the AAC this year, certainly exceeding expectations. And even though we tried to poke some holes in their statistical resumes throughout the year, particularly on, on the pass defense side of things, Temple's not in a position to take advantage of that. So I think this would be a nice game for Clayton Tune, and I like that as, as your best bet here in Week 11. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Now for our, a big money maker, we paired together some underdog parlays here in the past. So this is our G5 deep dive underdog Moneyline Parlay. I'm going to get things started going to the Mountain West. Utah State plus 165 at San Jose State. I'm going to be honest, this number didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It's almost as though this was handicapped in 2020 and not in 2021. Because San Jose State has just not been the same team. You know, their offense, despite all that they returns and what should have been consistent quarterback play, has been stuck in neutral. And their pass defense has really taken a step back. They're allowing 62.5 com uh, completion percentage to opposing teams. That's 77th nationally. They're not picking off passes, just barely cracking the top 100 and they can't get to the quarterback. And that's a really bad 
combination against a Utah State team that's absolutely cooking in the passing game. They're seven and two on the season, 12th nationally in passing the football. I'm surprised that they're not a bigger story nationally. I think what they've been able to do to turn things around has been tremendous. And the Logan Bonner, Devin Tompkins connection is just full on out of control. The last two weeks, they've connected 16 times for 391 yards and two touchdowns. I see more of that happening here. It's not going to be easy against the San Jose State team that is is want to kind of muck things up a little bit and play at a slower pace and, and a lower scoring game. But I think they have a puncher's chance here, and I'll take plus 165. I think that's very, very generous in a game that my power rankings call as a pick em. So I'll go ahead and take the plus money here with the Aggies. I know what are we putting together here for our week 11 money line underdog parlay? I'm going back to a team we cashed earlier this year. Matt Mitchell, cue the music. We're going to club lit. The Charlotte 49ers. It's Will Healy, head coach of Charlotte. How much do you miss club lit? I am missing club lit a lot. Been working extremely hard on my dad bot. So look forward to being able to be back in there. A newly renovated club lit. I'm taking Charlotte plus 200 at Louisiana Tech. Palatex, another team, you know, maybe on quit watch, skip holds. Yeah, he may be on the hot seat. They're two and seven. They've lost five straight. But Charlotte's five and four. And that's another thing I like to look at this time of year. They need one more win for bowl eligibility. They play Marshall next week, and then they play Old Dominion, which is obviously, you know, they'll probably lose to Marshall. So that means between LaTeX and Old Dominion, they got to win one of those to go bowling. I think they're going to know that. We've seen Charlotte, they beat Duke, beat Gardner Webb, beat Middle Tennessee. They beat FIU, you know, they lost obviously close to, to FA, or they got blown up by FAU, lost to Western Kentucky, and they beat Rice in overtime last week in a pretty good game. You know, Chris Reynolds looked really good. He's been awesome this year. He's got 19 touchdowns, five interceptions. He's actually second in Conference USA in passing touchdowns. Only Bailey Zappi, our boy. Bailey Zappi. Has more passing touchdowns than Chris Reynolds. He's averaging 228 yards per game. He also has three scores on the ground. Uh, the Charlotte, you know, Charlotte has two great receivers in Grant Dubow and Victor Tucker. Both of them are averaging over 60 yards per game. They got two good running backs. Uh, they don't run the ball great, but they are 25th in rushing explosiveness, so they do create big plays. And this Louisiana Tech defense is 115th in success rate against the pass, and they're 97th against the run. So Louisiana Tech's defense is putrid. And I, the Charlotte offense is like just kind of sneaky underrated. And the one area they've kind of gotten beat a lot this year is on the ground. They've been really bad at, at run defense. But LaTeX just 124th in rushing success rate. So I don't know if they could take advantage of it. And on the other side of the LaTeX, Austin Kendall didn't play last week. He has a back injury, and there's nowhere on when he's coming back. But even if he does, I mean, he's not looked as good as I think people maybe thought he'd be. He's got 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions this year. His last four games, he's got six touchdowns, six interceptions. He's completing just 60% of his passes this season. So, I mean, Kendall's not as scary as maybe you recognize the name, obviously, coming from Oklahoma, West Virginia. But he really hasn't played well the last couple of weeks. And if he's out, then they're starting freshman J.D. Head. I don't know about that. So, you know, like I said, I, I, this La Tech team is kind of reeling. Skip Holt's seat could be getting hotter, and Charlotte's still fighting for that bowling. LaTeX last week lost their seventh game, so now they know they're not going bowling. Charlotte still has that fight. Give me Club Lit at plus 200. 
you know, this parlay inching up close to seven to one, I think demonstrates the kind of value you're getting on these two teams. And, and honestly, when you're trying to pair together underdogs late in the season, it helps when they're good teams with clear goals. And I agree, Charlotte knocking on the door of bowl eligibility, they're clearly going to play motivated. Utah State is having a great season, so there's no reason for them to pack it in in a road trip you know, to San Jose. So I, I like both of these going together. And I also give you kudos for showing some restraint because early in the season, you tapped Charlotte in that upset against Duke. You were all about club lit, but I, I think you bided your time. You waited for the right moment, the right situational spot to get back in with this 49er team. So I applaud you, and hopefully that patience pays off you know, close to 7-1 to one for us and, and our listeners. The G5 High Five. Should we high five? High five! All right, now we're going to hop to the G5 High Five Round Robin here in week 11. That means a five-pack of picks. going to put them in a round robin together for you. I'm going to get things started with a team that we haven't mentioned a lot on this podcast. Just kidding. It is a UTEP Minor Nation podcast. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. Going with the Miners, minus one, bouncing back off of their beatdown against UTSA. And here's the thing. They're traveling to North Texas. This is a North Texas team that when they play quality defenses, they get shut down. And they played two this year. They played Liberty and they played UAB. They averaged 16 points per game in those games. The rest of the season, they averaged close to 30 points per game. So this is a team that feasts on bad defenses. UTEP is not that. They're allowing just 53% completions against them, 6.6 yards per attempt. And the other part of UTEP that I haven't even really touched upon much in this podcast this season is that not only are they playing a great brand of football on the defensive side of things, but they're just not penalized. They're not beating themselves. They're one of the most disciplined teams in the country. And when it comes to what should be a coin flip game, at least by odds makers, I want the team that has more reliability, both in terms of their defense and the fact that they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, another bonus here is that DeAndre Torrey, the star running back for UNT, is banged up. He was listed on the depth chart that came out on Wednesday, but he has been a limited practice participant. So you're going to want to go ahead and keep tabs on that all the way leading up to the, to the game because he's a, a big part of their offensive engine. And when he's in there, he's somebody who can run for over 100 yards and gives them an added dimension. Without him, I think that's going to be um, – you know, an opportunity for UTEP to really tighten the screws on a North Texas team that I think is a little bit overvalued both by bookmakers and the public because they beat Rice and Southern Miss in the last two weeks. You know, play the kazoo noise on that one. Those two teams stink. So I'm glad that they snuck out wins in those two. That's artificially changing this line. Should be maybe UTEP minus four or five. The fact that it's essentially a coin flip and minus one, I'll go ahead and take that value. And then finally, it's encouraging, despite the last two losses, that Gavin Hardison has thrown five touchdowns across those two games. He remains boom or bust. He's not a high completion percentage guy. You know, if he's at 55%, it's a good game for him. But he does want to challenge teams throwing the ball down the field. So the fact that he's put together five TDs through the air in the last two, I think that bodes well for a bounce back here for UTEP. All right, Ianella, let's get started on your two picks here for the G5 round robin. All right, for my first round robin pick, I'm going back to play we tried a couple weeks ago. It didn't work. Well, I'm, I'm going back to I'm going back to the Rainbow Warriors. Give me Hawaii minus three at UNLV. Look, I know UNLV got their, got their first win last week against New Mexico, but, I mean, this is still a UNLV team that's, you know, 119th in SP+. They're 121st in offensive success rate. This is just too short of a number against the UNLV team. Hawaii's 33rd in explosiveness on offense. 
I expect a really big game from Calvin Turner here. I don't think this UNLV defense has anybody that can stop him. I really hope Day Day Hunter is back for this play. There's, you know, they're kind of not sure when he'll be back. They keep going. They've been going to day to day for like four weeks. So at some point that day has to come. And ideally, if he's back, that's huge for this offense. Like I said, the UNLV defense is very bad against the pass. And Cordero has been better. I still don't love him, but I trust him a lot more than Cameron Friel, who's been playing because Brumfield's still hurt. Friel's got just eight. He has eight interceptions this year and just six touchdowns. And Hawaii leads the Mountain West with 21 takeaways. So if you're turnover prone, playing against this Hawaii defense is probably not good because they've been really good at taking away the ball. Yes, Hawaii also turns the ball over, but UNLV is not as good as taking the ball away as Hawaii is. And like I said, I trust Cordero more than I trust Friel. And I just think the weapons that Hawaii has and their explosiveness is way too much for UNLV to handle. I'll lay the three here with the Rainbow Warriors. Yeah, the Rebel Roller will still be there on the sideline. I just don't know how many times they're going to cash in against uh, a Hawaii team that's uh, traveling to the mainland. Yes, there are a, a bit of concerns, but in a lot of cases when Hawaii does come to the mainland, those are lower scoring games. And I think the Rainbow Warriors have proven that they can grind out some, some wins this season. Let's not overreact to UNLV finally getting on the board. I like that play. Let's keep it going. What do you have next? All right, for my last play, I'm going to cheat a little bit. And I'm just going to play a nice favorite on the money line that I think has a pretty good chance to cash this. I don't really want to lay the four and a half points. So instead, I'll play Marshall minus 200 against UAB. First, let's talk on the field. Marshall stumbled early in its first year under Charles Huff. Over the last four games, they are 4-0, and they have outscored their opponents 135-47. to That's important to me that they're finally, you know, obviously new system, new coach. Grant Wells is a quarterback who is... Super frustrating to bet on. I will admit that. He's very inconsistent, but I still trust him more than I trust Dylan Hopkins. Wells has 11 touchdowns and 11 interceptions this year. Not great. But he has 23 big-time throws and 12 turnover-worthy plays, whereas Hopkins has just nine big-time throws and 10 turnover-worthy plays. The main reason I like this Marshall offense, though, has been the emergence of freshman running back Rasheen Ali. This dude is unbelievable. He leads the country with 17 rushing touchdowns, He has two touchdowns in each of the last three games and six multi-score games this year. Shocker, a a stud running back under Charles Huff. For those of you that don't know, Huff was the running backs coach at Penn State for Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders. And then he was the running backs coach at Alabama for Najee Harris. He just, you know, talent under him thrives at running back. So Rasheen Ali has been terrific. And in UAB's three losses this year, they've allowed an average of 172.7 rushing yards. So when they get beat on the ground, they've lost. And I love this Marshall offense. Again, hoping Wells plays well because he is very hot and cold. But if he's on, he's pretty hard to beat. UAB offense is just 65th in pass success. They're 71st in finishing drives. And this Marshall defense is 7th at preventing finishing drives. So I think UAB is going to struggle to score once it gets the ball past the 40. And Marshall is going to be able to do enough to keep them out of the end zone. This is also, you know, looking more at the off the field motivation aspects. There's two big ones here. A, Marshall lost 22 to 13 to UAB in the Conference USA Championship last year. So you have the big revenge factor. And that was the first loss UAB, first loss to UAB at home that Marshall has taken. They are eight and three against UAB in this in this series and five and one at home in their 11 meetings. So that was the first loss. You can bet they're going to want to bounce back and avenge that. The second factor, Saturday is November 13th. November 14th, the next day, 
is the anniversary of the team plane crash. Marshall is wearing helmets with the names of the 75 people who died in that plane crash. I always love little factors like that. You know they're going to be talking about the story all week. They'll probably talk about it in the locker room. I think that'll be a big touching point. And, and just to note, too, on, on the anniversary of this of the crash last year, they whooped Middle Tennessee 42-14. to 14. And like I said, I also think they're going to want to avenge the conference championship loss. And they're just playing really good football. So all factors tied in. Give me Marshall against UAB. UAB has surprised me a bit this year. I uh, expected more from their defense. Um, Bill Clark has generally put together a pretty consistent brand of football, but they've been up and down a lot this year. And those uh, emotional elements for Marshall and really Grant Wells. I'm a big Grant Wells fan. I think, honestly, if you know they didn't have Ali in the backfield and featured him a little bit more, he'd be a top 10 kind of passer in the country and certainly someone who would be mentioned you know, more on podcasts like this, talking about the G5, but I want to give Grant Wells his shine. I think he deserves it. All right, to finish out the G5 high five round robin here in week 11, I got two. And we're going to go back to the well. We already mentioned UTEP, so you know not far behind is Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi. Pull out your zap guns because Western Kentucky is going to score a lot of points on Saturday. I like them over their team total of 40, 40 and a half, depending on the book you're looking at. Essentially, any number below that six touchdown threshold, I like them to go over. You know, since they flipped over to Conference USA play, they're averaging 43.2 points per game. They're even adding in a little bit of balance. Adam Cofield, before he went down, Noah uh, Whittington as well, just giving them enough, you know, in that 50, 60 yard per game range from, you know, their featured running back. That gives them a little bit of balance to go with Zappi and Jareth Stearns in the passing game. That's been so dynamic. They're up against a race fast defense that just isn't very good. You know, they're not going to slow this train down. And from a, you know, a ball security, long drive perspective, I'm not sure that Rice is going to be able to muck this game up enough to prevent the Western Kentucky offense from getting hot. Because really, this is an offense that they can score four touchdowns in a quarter. You know, just give Zappy the opportunity to get cooking. And uh, usually, you know, that's been a good bet this season. So I'm not going to overcomplicate it. I'm going to go with the trends here, and I love the Hilltoppers score a lot against the Owls. The Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, the pride of the Commonwealth. And then finally, a Mac game that's being played tonight on Wednesday nights uh, in Central Michigan, Mount Pleasant. You got wow. to be kidding me. Now this is peak action. It is. Peak action. The Golden Flashes, I mean, they've gone thermonuclear since Mac play started. 38 points per game in Mac play. Last four games for Dustin Crum, eight passing touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns, zero turnovers. And then he throw in Marquez Cooper. He's had three 100-yard games in Mac play, six rushing touchdowns since conference play has started. So they have that balance as well. And the Central Michigan defense is not equipped to slow that down. They're 90th in total D, 121st in plays of 20 yards or more, and 124th in plays of 30 yards or more. So if you saw that Kent State game against Northern Illinois last week where they were going up and down the field, hitting huge plays, there was a, a massive scoring outbreak in the second quarter. I think you're going to see something similar here. It's going to be a shootout. The question is, can Kent State and their ragtag paper mache defense hold just long enough to get off the field a couple times in this game or force a few turnovers because they're going up against a running back from the chips lou nichols the third he's averaging 170 yards per game on the ground in his last four and the only way they're going to stop it it's not you know running to the football it's not putting extra guys in the box it's game flow 
And here's the thing. When you look at Kent's box scores in the last month, when they jumped ahead of Ohio, when they got ahead on Northern Illinois and they, they flipped that game flow and took the running game away just by virtue of teams trying to play catch up, they kept, they kept both of those opponents under 150 rushing yards and they won those games in the cupboard. When Western Michigan got rolling and they were able to lean on the running game, they went well over 300 yards against this Kent State team. So the offense here is really doing double duty for Kent State. Not only are they going to jump out to a lead, hopefully, and put the pressure on Central Michigan, but they can also, by you know, de facto, take the running game away. That's what's going to be needed here. I'm going to keep going with Dustin Crum and the Golden Flashes. Love it. Love the lineup. I think we're going to have a bounce back week. I, I can feel it on my bones. Maction's back. We're back. Let's let's bounce back this week. That's Maction personified, right? And now for a quick rundown on all our picks in one handy place. For our best bets, we like Houston Lane 24. The Houston Cougars. Arkansas State and Louisiana Monroe over 66. Louisiana Monroe Warhawks. Govers. Our underdog Moneyline Parlay combines Charlotte plus 200. The Charlotte 49ers. Utah State plus 165. The Utah State Aggies. For a payout just shy of 7 to 1. And for our G5 high five round robin here in week 11, we'd like Marshall minus 200 on the money line. I want to talk about our opponent this afternoon. Now on paper, they're just better. But I want to tell you something that they don't know. They don't know your heart. Hawaii laying three on the mainlands. The Hawaii Warriors. UTEP minus one. We're talking minor nation. The Western Kentucky team total over 48 and a half. Zappy and Kent State minus two and a half. The Kent State Golden Flashes. All right, that's it for the week 11 episode of the Group of Five Deep Dive under the Big Bets on Campus banner. A reminder to our listeners that you can catch Stucky and Colin Thursday night and Friday mornings breaking down the entire college football card on Saturdays. They also have a live show Saturday mornings, which is Can't Miss, where they get into all the final tweaks and alterations to their full cards, injuries, coaching changes, anything that is brewing, they're going to be on top of. And now that we are adding in a whole nother layer, which is college basketball to the buffet, that is this collegiate sports gambling content machine, the three-man weave every single week on Wednesday morning. So be sure to catch that as well. For Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. Thanks so much for listening.